the best Kiwi event in New Zealand, this. Crossing New Zealand in one or two days. Why do I do it? Because I love it. Three, two, one, go! Well, welcome to the Katmandu Coast to Coast podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to getting you from the west coast of the South Island, New Zealand, all the way across to the east coast by running, biking and kayaking your way across some of New Zealand's most iconic stages. This podcast is brought to you by Team CP, your endurance coaching specialist. I'm, of course, your host, the media man with the mo, aka Angus Petrie, and joined with me is Mr. Team CP himself. Mr. Richard Graham. Richard, welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 of our Katmandu Coast to Coast podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for the intro, Angus. And uh, hey, this is a pretty exciting as a result of what's happened just early on the week, isn't it? It is. You know, we actually are back earlier than, uh, than maybe what we probably thought we'd be here. But uh, there's so much hype around this event. It's sold out within minutes of it going live uh, and just it's blowing the thing out of the water. Yeah, that's right. It's back to the glory days of uh, quickly, when I first did it, you had to quickly throw your entry back in the post on the data and hopefully with an extra maybe $50 for Robin Dunkins to put your name on the start list. It's back to that, isn't it? So uh, yeah, super exciting uh, on, on on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's a bit disappointing for those people that, that missed out or on the wait list that were really amped to be in as well. So it's a bit bittersweet today, isn't it? It, it is, it is, but it, it does show that the race uh, does not discriminate from anybody. Unfortunately, it, it you know, doesn't matter whether you're a high-end athlete or or a, or a beginner. You've got just as much chance of getting in and being a part of this big show as anyone. And and that's kind of a good thing, but, uh, you know, it is disappointing that the event is just at its peak and we just can't give everybody a turn. You know, it, I know that uh, that Glenn and the team at the Kathmandu Coast to Coast, they would love to have everybody come across over that weekend, but it's just not physically possible, Rich. That's right. And we're going to talk to Glenn uh, tonight and have a good chat to him about those systems, about the entry system, about the the, the, the new one-day three-person team. Should we do that if it's not broken why bother fixing it sort of thing so we're going to ask some of those sort of curly questions to him and and allow him to respond and, and give us a good understanding about where some of those or how some of those decisions have been made. Yeah. And look, if you're just joining us for the first time, either on our Team CP Facebook page or on the Katmandu Coast to Coast Facebook page, this is a series of podcasts that we do do specifically around the Katmandu Coast to Coast. Later in the year, we'll come back to this. This is a bit of an early bird special, and we will come back to later in the year for eight to 10 episodes, and we'll go in depth about the course and and training and all those sort of things. But this initial uh, podcast tonight this is just about that introduction to the event, what it is, what's going on, what it's going to look like this year coming and and uh, welcoming everybody that has managed to get the golden ticket. <laughs> the golden ticket. Absolutely. Our first time is special. So if you've secured your entry, the dust has settled now and it's probably just started to get a little bit real. Uh, you actually have to try and figure out how the heck you're actually going to get to the start line of the Kathmandu Coast to Coast. I often say that the, the finish line's the easy bit. The start line's a hard bit. There's so many different things you've got to manage You've got to manage your training, you've got to manage work, you've got to make sure you're injury-free, you've got to figure out your food, all those sorts of things, support crew, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what tonight is really about. Um, so we're going to try and unlock some secrets of how to actually get to the start line. And I always like to say there's four things we want to do standing on the start line. Number one is being fit. So it's a bit of a given. We'll always sort of try it like that's always a focus. Number two is fresh. So we haven't overcooked in the last few weeks. 
Number three is a hard one, actually injury-free. There's a, the, the People don't make it to the start line because of that, and then also a bunch of people will be having that niggly Achilles or dodgy knee. And the final one is having a plan of attack, how you're actually going to do your day. What's your nutrition going to be? How are you going to pace yourself? What about my support group? So those four things is what we're trying to achieve, and that starts now. So today we're going to chat to Matt Bateman. Uh, he was, we could say, he's the class of 2000 and 2021, uh, finished the, the two-day tandem team this year, uh, and we're going to talk to him about his three top tips as a result of doing that. Um, and then we're going to yeah discuss the foundation phase of how we actually get all those things organised right now. What are the to-dos now with Team CP coach Fiona Stenchman at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. And and Fiona herself, at, uh, I just heard she's stepping up to the plate and entered the longest day. So not only is she uh, a coach and going to help you get there, but uh, just like yourself, Richard, she's going to lead from the front and uh, show us how it's actually done as well. Yeah, beforehand, uh, the other day, she said, I don't know if I really want to put it out there that I'm doing the longest day, um, but it's out there now, isn't it? Oh, so how about that? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess a part of that, like you've either entered or you haven't, so are you in or you out, uh, Fiona? So I'm sure we'll uh, see what she has to say about that. Correct. So let's move on. Let's uh, let's get Maddie on. Maddie uh, definitely was a star of 2021 in the Tandon team, and we absolutely loved following him through that process. And he brought such good value to our podcast, um, real world experience, and that you know starting from nowhere and ending up where they did. So uh, a huge welcome back to Matt Bateman. Matt, welcome back to the show again. G'day, guys. How are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah. Good stuff, Matt. First of all, uh, congratulations on on your achievement. Not only finishing the the uh, the mixed tandem team with your teammate Thomasina, but also actually winning the uh, tandem team open uh, mix section as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was epic. Eh? We weren't really uh, intending to go out there to win, but we sort of obviously our category um, it went all right. So yeah, we were happy with that. But yeah, obviously to make it to the finish line was our, our main sort of objective, and we got there. So very happy and just loved it. You know. Yeah, good stuff. That's great. So uh, just quickly tonight, Matt, um, what are your three top tips for a beginner? We're lined up. We've just just paid our money with this coast-to-coast -coast thing. Maybe a few nerves are going to happen. Or I'm not actually sure how the heck I'm going to do it. What are your three top tips based on a first-timer's experience? Yeah, well, a lot, kind of what you mentioned before is, you know, obviously trying to make sure you get there and, and being prepared and whatnot, but um, getting a specific plan. So obviously got a plan from you guys at Team CP and um, it was just obviously I'm quite busy with the gym that I run in town and obviously just trying to make sure that I could still do the stuff I love um, and then being able to just, um, rather than just getting a generic program as such or getting advice from people that don't really have uh, the knowledge, I guess. So I had a specific program um, tailored to me and it kind of fitted in the training that I wanted to do at the gym and stuff outside of the, the multi-sport disciplines and then just being able to do that stuff. And then when I could get in and do my um, training for the coast, that I could do it well, you know. So I didn't have, uh, I guess, a massive volume of doing, doing the multi-sport training. Um, but when I did get to do it, I was doing it well and just ticking those boxes. So I was still going to do that stuff that I love and then um, making sure that in the lead up, right up just before coast, I was sort of hitting my peak, you know. And just by having, I guess, this, the one-on-one -on -one, uh, individual, individualised program just was perfect, you know. So that's probably my the, the first key thing. Um, and then obviously I had to sort of work out what my weaknesses were as going into my second, uh, I guess, sort of, sort of tip I'd pass on. But... Obviously, kayaking wasn't a strength of mine, and, and I'd done running. Uh, I've done running before, and obviously that's, like I guess, uh, a fitness. And then cycling can be a strength, as you say, I guess. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, kayaking's more of a skill. So I think now there's so many things you can do um, to help get your confidence up. And I was, did my grade two, obviously, last year, um, and it was a bit scary, you know. So doing the grade two over, uh, over that four days, 
Um, you know, and I thought, shit, you know, I came out and I said, like, look, I'm still pretty green. And um, I just went and, you know, had a few gorge trips with um, Top Sport and went down. And then I just got some one-on-one um, one-on-one coaching with Sam Manson. And just to be able to get those little key pointers that meant when I was going out to, um, to do my paddling when I could get out there, that I was just knowing that I was just working on something or doing something specifically rather than learning a bad habit or, you know, getting that. I just knew that I was starting to get those basics right just on the flat water. And then when I got out in the white water, I was like, oh, you know, I felt so much more confident just by having – that um that one on one time with a coach, you know, and and Matt, at what stage in the year last year did you get your grade two kayaking? Uh, it was it was just probably when daylight savings was happening, sort of that um, sort of September October, sort of um, around that time, and that's when we um, we did our first two days. And I'm not sure if those some of you that we watching remember, but Tomo broke her um, hand playing hockey, so um, we had to stall it another four weeks so I could still get out on the on the flat water, but. It was just about six months, sort of six months, five to six months out. Um, yeah. We're would, into it. would you say now, though, that if you were doing it again now and you've got your entry in now, like some people have, uh, yeah. and we still do have a bit of daylight savings left at this end of the year, would you recommend that people uh, maybe, if they can get a spot now, try and, and get that grade two earlier rather than wait till later in the year? Yeah, definitely. And for like someone like me, who is um, obviously not real confident, I'm open, like, happily say that I'm not confident on the water, um, being able to do that, and that's going to be my main focus myself actually this year is getting out on the water. And um, if I can get down, you know, between now and winter um, for another guided trip down the gorge, just to have that confidence of having someone else with me, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely recommend doing it. Just just to help, because you don't want to come to the, the, you know, the tail end of the year and then you're in a rush and you start to panic about those things. Whereas if you can just tick the boxes now and, you know, if you fall out now a hundred times, it's not going to matter, but you're going to be prepared when it comes to those, you know, the tail end of the season and you're ready to rumble, you know. Awesome. Awesome, Matt. So get a training plan, work on your, your the skills, work on your weaknesses. Yep. That's number two. What's number three? Uh, for me, it's having fun, you know. So right. obviously if it's, if it's not fun, then what's the point, you know. So some people say that I'll probably have too much fun, but it's because I just try and enjoy it when I'm out there, you know. So Rather than going out there and, you know, saying, should I hate running? Like, if you go out there with the mindset that you're going to love it, you'll have fun, you know? So some of the stuff you'll do, you'll get those those days where you're training, you're doing long trainings and you're thinking, oh, you know, it's tough. But, I mean, if you can get out there whether you're running with someone else and there's going to be days where you're training by yourself, you know, do things that make it easier. Like, put your music in. I know that on race day we won't have music in and whatnot, but doing those things to make your training enjoyable, um, there's so many little things you can do that make it just fun, you know? And, if you get out there and have fun at the same time, trust me, that some of those big days where you don't want to train and you get it done, you'll be so much happier, happier and better for it. So Awesome. Well, well done, Matt. Uh, so what's next? You've uh, you've ticked off I Can Do the Coast to Coast. What are you up to now? Uh, I've signed up for the longest day, so um, I'm pretty pumped about it. So a uh, bit of a nerve-wracking time there. Yesterday we were trying to run a warm-up at the gym and I was trying to get the computer to refresh and then the payment wouldn't go through and I got there, so I'm on. But um, now I'm pumped, so I think um, for me – I always say there's a quote that I always refer to. You must do the thing, the thing you can't, thing you, the thing you think you cannot do. And uh, I thought, shit, I've got to do the longest day. So um, I obviously just want to get out there, and obviously, uh, I guess not so much compete it, but uh, complete it. You know, so you know, obviously not going out to be a top ten or anything like that. But I definitely want to make sure I can get out there and really have a crack, and I guess put my head in a bit of a dark hole and and uh, achieve something I don't think I could ever do. You know, so I'm excited for the challenge, and yeah, I'm, I can't wait. 
Wicked. That's awesome, Matt. So um, if you're listening to this, do check out our previous podcast if you haven't yep. before, uh, leading through Matt's sort of uh, build up and Thomasina's build up through to the um, coast to coast in 2021. So definitely really interesting just to see what was your, what were you nervous about as we led through the that podcast series. But um, awesome to to have you back on, Matt. Thanks for sharing your, um, your enthusiasm and, and some of your knowledge and what you've gained and uh, look forward to cheering on. And, and maybe we might even get you back on that podcast just to check in to see how that longest day preparation is going for 2022 now. Yeah, sounds good, guys. And uh, thanks for having me. And uh, all the best to everyone out there getting amongst it. And uh, yeah, good luck. Good stuff. Well done. Cheers, Matt. Thanks, thanks guys. Matt. You're dead right, Rich. Uh, don't forget that all of our previous Coast of Kathmandu Coast to Coast podcasts are up uh, and on all the major podcast players, Spotify, iTunes, um, but if you're looking for a link, just head over to the Team CP uh, webpage, uh, teamcp.co.nz, and there's a little link at the top that says podcast and our whole entire back catalogue. Uh, you can listen to Richard and I for days on ends, waffle on about all sorts <laughs> of things if that tickles your fancy. So don't forget, check them out because we will be doing more of these Kathmandu Coast to Coast podcasts, but not for a few months, not until we get back uh, nearer the time again. But you got to start training now, so why not start listening to some of our, our great information that's out there? Good stuff. Well done. Uh, so moving on to our next part of the show, we talked about at the top about uh, doing the groundwork now. And if we do the groundwork now and, and get some of those fundamentals sorted, then that increases our chances for going well. So, And the other side of it, I guess, and we're going to talk through a, a bunch of that stuff with Fiona in a moment. But if we don't, if we miss anything, you're going to find out about that down the track. So I guess that's that's the key thing. For example, if, you're, if your hamstrings are weak, well, you're probably going to find out when you increase your running load because you're going to ping an injury. So how do we preempt some of those things happening so then we can make sure that we enjoy our day and enjoy our, our coast-to-coast weekend? Um, as part of that, also, just throwing it out there, we've also got our... Um, coast-to-coast fundamental uh, technique course that's happening in autumn and also a spring-specific technique course that's happening in in, uh, September also. I think you might have a graphic there. So that's uh, got some dates at the top there. I can't quite see that on my screen. Can you read it out, Ings? Yeah, so the 14th and 15th of May is the first uh, two-day weekend um, where there'll be so two days of specific things run under the run category, we'll have a technique and cadence, some pacing, um, coast-specific running around, uh, you know, sort of mountains and rocks and undulating terrain, strength and mobility basics. Uh, there'll be a bike section, so right from the basics of a, a bike setup, making sure that you've got the appropriate setup for you and your bike. Bike skills, cornering, braking, pedaling techniques. Um, through to food and drink on the bike, making sure that you can eat and can drink while you're moving along, and a few bike mechanic basics. Uh, Kayak for that weekend, uh, that's all about initial boat setup, getting your pedals in the right place, um, understanding your paddle and the gear and all that sort of stuff. A bit of of paddle technique and some general handling your boat, a bit of flat water paddling basics. Uh, And of course, getting in and out of your boat, because that's a tricky thing. And if you have to, uh, if you do get tipped out and you do have to get back in, good little processes to be able to uh, run through. That's our autumn course, our spring course, 17th and 18th of September. Again, it'll be both, it'll be all three, run, bike, kayak. And we'll get into a few more specific things uh, in those, in that second weekend under the run. We'll do some river crossings, some tree routes and trails and, um, 
reminding you that uh, although they say it's a mountain run, it is actually a mountain walk in a lot of places. So some good walking techniques and picking lines and things like that. Biking, some hills, some ups, some downs, some bunch riding, because inevitably on the coast to coast, you're going to be in a bunch somewhere. Um, and then into the kayak where we'll go through some moving water skills, paddle techniques, and uh, a bit of pre-race checkoff. So uh, two really good courses coming up, Richard. Uh, just going back there, our autumn course, the 14th and 15th of May, and our spring course, the 17th and 18th of September. And Richard, how many people are we taking for those courses? Uh, we're going to really limit the numbers, so limited to 30 people. Uh, we've got three uh, three coaches, myself, Fiona and Kate, who are going to be leading that. So um, so it's going to be really limited, but it's going to be an awesome course just to, hey, get you sorted, get those practical skills sorted so you can make sure you can get out and enjoy your training. Absolutely. Perfect. So don't muck around. Where can they go, Richard? Just quickly, uh, where just can jump they go? On, just to... jump onto our website and, and click on the contact us button and, and buzz us through a, a, hey, I want to find out more about that. And then we'll send you some more details or our Facebook page or any of those sorts of ways. Flick me a text message. Give me a call. Um, they come around to our place. Whatever. Just come and we'll have a chat about it. Sunday for pancakes, Richard. If you're going That's to Richard's, right. go Sunday pancakes. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Bring the maple sauce. Yeah, be all good. Brilliant. Right. Uh, so Fiona, Fiona's waiting in the wings there. Fiona's one of our Team CP coaches. She's been with us since 2018. Uh, mixes her coaching with uh, coaching with work with her own training, specifically for the longest day racing, and recently winning the uh, Veteran Women's Two Day as well. Actually, um, Fiona's a mum, got two busy young kids, and uh, actually a couple of weeks ago, Fiona, you rafted down the Wymac with with Lockie and uh, Sophia, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, we had a great couple of days overnighting down the YMAC. It was lots of fun. Brilliant, brilliant. So we're going to talk about your, uh, like, this foundation phase. What's that about? Um, and I'm going to buzz through. There's 12 bullet points. I'm going to quickly run through those, and then we're going to go back to the top. So the first one is prepare your body to train, strength and mobility, flexibility. Number two, develop technique. Number three, routine and consistency of training. Number four, nutrition, sleep patterns, recovery, stress management, relationships, health, equipment and assessing and measure, uh, sorry, measuring your progress. So I'm going to throw that out to you, Fiona, and I want you to have a, yeah, let's share some ideas around each of those ones. So let's start off right at the top, probably one of the most important ones, actually making sure your body's going to stay in one piece with the rigors of training and race day. So preparing your body to train, thinking about strength, flexibility, mobility. Um, what's the best way to approach this? Oh, goodness. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can approach it. You know, it's sort of, it probably depends on where you're at to start with. Like, mm -hmm. are you coming straight off the couch and, and you know, training coast to coast? Or have you got a background of, of doing some of this stuff before? Um, so, you know, talking probably if you're brand new, then, you know, talking to someone who knows a little bit about where you're at and, you know, where you need to start. Um, and I do think that strength is a really good place to start, um, mm -hmm. both because it will help you all the way through coast to coast. You know, that core strength is, is key through pretty much all the disciplines, um, but it'll also help you get to that start line injury free, as you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, totally. So like a, a physio assessment um, or like a PT in the gym or like, yeah, just just uh, get someone to actually look at you. How do you move and give you some feedback on and then work on some of those weaknesses? Brilliant. Right. Next next bullet point. Developing technique. Why is that important? Well, I mean, technique makes everything more efficient, doesn't it? It makes it easier. Yeah. So, you know, if you can run efficiently, then you're using a whole heap less energy to cover the same distance. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, 
running is one thing. Most people can basically run, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. kayaking will be new to a lot of people. So that's a real technical sport. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, it's not unusual to see some of those bigger guys out there putting everything into it and going slower than, you know, some of the little girls who look like they're barely working. And that's mm-hmm. just all about the technique. So yeah. um, if you can nut that oh, out yeah. early, then it'll make it easier. Absolutely. So, yeah, give give put some time into that now. And, and that decreases the chance of injury as well because, as say, running, for example, if you spend some time doing some running technique stuff, you're not going to hit the ground so heavily and, and all that sort of stuff. And one other thing I really like around, about, around technique is if you're thinking about how you're moving, you're probably going to be moving well. So at, from a mental um, focus sort of perspective, then that really does help as well. Right, bullet point number three, developing routine and consistency of training. Why is that important? Oh, it's all about consistency. So it's incremental gains the whole year. It's, um, you know, doing three or four really big training sessions and then doing nothing for a month is is going to get you nowhere. But those, you know, every day or five days a week, getting out there and just putting in, in that consistent training, that's what's going to get you get you the, the big gains, really. 100%. And and that's lots of, lots of little, like little bits and often, isn't it? That's the key bit. It's much better than doing big things is what you're saying. What about sort of that life training, balance, work, all that sort of stuff. How does, why is that important underneath that routine and consistency? Well, I mean, it has to fit in with your life. Everyone's got life stuff that happens, whether that's work or family or kids or, you know, other commitments to sports and whatever it is. So if it doesn't fit around your life and if it's causing, you know, disharmony at home, then you're actually just not going to be able to do it. So you need to make sure that however you choose to approach this, it is going to fit in with your life for the, for the whole of this year, really. That's right. And those key people are behind you. So on a Wednesday night, if you have a late night and that's going to be a big training day, that's everybody knows about that. And that happens on Wednesday night. But then Thursday night, you're home and all that sort of stuff. So that routine and consistency, it's not just for you, for your body. It's also for your family and everything else that's going on with your life. What about, so nutrition is a big part of this. Nutrition for health. Why is that important as one of those fundamental baseline things to get sorted now? Um, Because your nutrition is your fuel, you know, it's, it's, it's what keeps you healthy as as the load comes on it's what helps you to recover from those big training sessions and it's you know it's just going to give you the energy to keep going um Mm -hmm. so you know your everyday nutrition is is the goodness that you're putting into your body so if you can get that sorted early then the training and recovery nutrition kind of just leads on from that really Totally, yeah, absolutely. So you've got the energy to burn, you can recover well from your sessions. And hey, it might be if there's a weight loss thing going on as well. Hey, this is running as a powder weight ratio sport. So if we can slowly develop your that as well as part of your nutrition and part of being healthy, then that's going to help you down the track as well. What about sleep? Why is that important now? Because <laughs> it's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, you know, it's your main recovery time, isn't it? You know, when, when you sleep, that's when your body repairs and recovers and mm-hmm. it helps um, to, to lay down that foundation for the new muscles that you're building. Um, so, yeah, so if you can get really good quality sleep, then you can recover and train hard again the next day. Totally. And that's about that consistency and and, and knowing that this is I've got a, bed, a sleep routine, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, it always gets hard when we're working with shift workers because you've got to manage that, uh, hey, I'm up all night or I'm up late, et cetera. So that's something that needs to sort of factor in there. But yeah, good quality sleep, that's where your body recovers. Um, dealing with that recovery is point number six I've got here. Uh, why, is, why is that piece so important, the recovery piece? 
Well, the recovery is actually where you build your muscles, you know. So so while you're out there training, we're effectively breaking down our muscles and our muscle fibres. And then when you, you know, have some protein and you have a rest and your body can recover, that's where you lay down that new muscle tissue and get stronger, hopefully. Yeah, good, good, good. So, yeah, make sure you do that. Train, 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 more, more, more. It's just going to put you into a hole. So make sure you have that recovery time and have those uh, that nutrition sorted. Stress management, how does that affect recovery? Well, your body reacts the same way to any kind of stress. So whether that's training stress, you know, some kinds of stress are good because we want that training stress. But, um, you know, if, if there's other stresses that are coming in on top of that then your body can't really differentiate between them so if on your recovery days you're still really stressed then you're not really recovering um so hopefully you can somehow find a way to lessen outside stress which is not helpful you know that's right and those stresses come and go don't they could be family relationships work etc etc throughout the year depending on what you're doing so so just to look after yourself be a bit kind to yourself if, if, if you are stressed and things are busy at, at any one time so yep that's cool uh relationships is our next bullet point yeah i mean there's lots of talk about coast to coast widows and um i guess coast to coast widows um yeah. so you know it's it's a lot of training it's a lot of time and you need to a i guess make sure that your your family and your partner and your friends are aware that maybe you're not going to be around as much but also maybe think of ways that you can include them in your training you know so it's not unusual that I will attempt to chase my children around McLean's Island on their bikes um although they're a bit yeah. too quick now so it's quite a fast run um <laughs> you know and going out on adventures where maybe they can go for a walk and you can you can go for a run and then join them for the end of the walk or something like that just trying to um put some time into those relationships while not necessarily you know doing less training um that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Make sure you do make time. And, and if you incorporate in, that's great. Health status. Why is that important? Um, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. As in, oh, so health status, I guess it's just, yeah, yeah I guess that at the end of the day, is, isn't it? That's super important. If you're not healthy, well, then you, you're not going to be able to do this for a start. So I guess uh, looking after your own health is a super important one because you're no good to anyone if you're not healthy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, if there's things that you're concerned about now, possibly seeing your GP or physio mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. whoever it is, and, and getting those things under control before you add, you know, a whole heap of training stress on top. Good. You're on fire here, Fiona. We've got two more to go. Uh, equipment. Right. Yeah, the big one, the, the money spender. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess my thoughts are – like you do need the equipment reasonably soon so that you can get into it and get used to it and train with it. But mm -hmm. you also don't want to jump in too early and end up mm -hmm. buying the wrong boat or the wrong bike. Um, yeah. If you're not sure, then go and go and seek out some advice. So, um, you know, kayak clubs will often have a bunch of kayaks that you can try out um, and also talk to the people there because they will have a good feel for, where you're at and what type of boat you need to be looking for. Um, and then same with the bikes. If you're new to road biking, then it's worth going into a few different bike shops and chatting to them first, um, A, to make sure that you get the right size, but also, you know, to, to make sure that you get the bike that's going to suit you. Um, yeah, and probably same with the shoes. You know, you want you want the right kind of shoes for running over Goats Pass, which are a bit different to your average, just running along the pavement, road runner shoes. 
So mm-hmm. go and chat so to someone start- who... Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so seek out that good advice and then start using it. Start, start getting that stuff together, collecting it, and using it. Last one, baseline assessment. Some assessing. Why is that important? Well, because because it's really hard to know what to work on if you don't know where you're at. So, mm-hmm. um, you it you probably don't know your your blind spots, and so mm-hmm. it's really good to get someone else to 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 have a look at you, figure out your strengths and weaknesses and talk through them with you. So then you can work on those weaknesses and not just ignore them until they kind of come out and bite you on the butt. Um, <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and, and then part of that is also like using Strava as a tool, as a time trial and just actually going, how do I go today? And then seeing progress across the course of the year, because that's really motivating, rewarding as well, that actually the training I'm doing is working, hopefully. And if it's not, yeah, well, let's do something about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, Fiona. Good stuff. So, longest stay. You were just a check that you have entered? I have, yes, yes. No, Angus, I wasn't really planning on telling everyone tonight, but that's, okay. that's all good. <laughs> I'm just going to come on and say, Fiona, thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing all that information. And I apologize <laughs> for outing you on, uh, on such a public forum. But uh, we've got to hold you accountable to this, you know, as well. And we look forward to following your progress through, uh, through, through to the start line as well. Yeah, yeah, it'll be an adventure for sure. Yeah. I'm sure there's a start you can look up to see your name on anyway, you know, it's nothing. <laughs> Probably. Not yet. Later in the year. Not yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, Fiona, Good thank job. you very much. Thank you for your time. Um, thank you for all that you do for Team CP and for all uh, your athletes. I know you'll have a few athletes that you'll be helping get to the start line of the of the uh, 2022 Kathmandu Coast to Coast. So uh, big thank you for that from them to you and uh, yeah we look forward to seeing how you're getting on later on in the year no problem thank you very much good job well done. thanks Fiona thanks. just like that good stuff just like that Rich I just want to say before we move on because we have got uh, something more exciting than Prince Harry and Meghan Markle coming up next with uh, race director Glenn Curry um, uh, probably not quite as controversial maybe but however um, I just want to say Rich <clears throat> if you are have you've just entered uh, the Kathmandu Coast to Coast, and whether you are local here to Christchurch or to the event, or you're coming from afar, whether you're an international, and we're hoping like buggery that we're going to get some internationals to be able to come to this event next year, coming from Auckland, coming from wherever, that Team CP do offer a support package, Richard. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that's not just for, for someone that wants to come by themselves to do it. We have a whole bunch of, say, families come so the so the uh, parent can do it and then the other parent can hang out with the kids and cheer along and, and, and not have to have the stress and pressure of, oh, God, I'm going to make sure I get the kayak in the right place and what about the drink system and all, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a, that's a service that we do. We have 20 uh, two days that we support and 10 longest day spots available. So, again, if you're interested in that, uh, flick us a message and we can get in touch about some details. Yeah, and do get in touch in a hurry because we are already filling up uh, spaces with that. We've had plenty of interest in that. And that is just a quick summary, uh, providing uh, transport to the West Coast, gear checks, uh, we'll feed you, we'll accommodate you, we'll be your transition for you, we'll be your support for you. Uh, it was kindly noted by one of our great athletes uh, this past year that uh, spending the money with Team CP is cheaper than divorce. So uh, just put that on your list you of go. things well if you need a reason to get a support crew. <laughs> totally. No, absolutely. Right. Glenn, is he back there? Glenn is back. Welcome, Glenn. Welcome back to our show, Glenn. Lovely to have you. How are you going, guys? Can you hear me? 
Yep. We can. Uh, you're loud and clear. Glenn, she's been a busy few weeks uh, since our 2021 wrap-up show. Doesn't It feels like ages ago now, uh, but lots and lots of interest uh, in the race. Um, did this take you by surprise? Uh, yeah, I think we were pretty confident that we would sell out, and um, I think our predictions were that, you know, over 24 hours we would um, have most of the areas full, so we were sort of working on a 24-hour factor. Um, I think it was, yeah, sort of, I think everything was sold out in under 10 minutes, basically. So, yeah, we were we were a little bit shocked and we were, um, obviously, we were sitting by the computers and we can see the back end of things as they start coming in. And um, we actually thought there was a glitch in the system for the first um, one minute on the two-day individual entries because it went from basically zero to 230 entries and we're like, something's not quite got working here, but it was working. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, it was quite the surprise. Yeah, yeah, epic. Um, so that's, I mean, people missed out, unfortunately, as well, uh, which is that, I mean, it's great that it's full, but it's also frustrating for those that didn't get in or on waitlist. What happens in terms of that waitlist process? What are you doing there in terms of, will people know where they're at? Yeah, so it's a bit of a, um, it was a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? I mean, um, it's awesome that we sell out really quickly, but then obviously, you know, like, um, there's people all in different circumstances where, Potentially, they weren't able to be online at that time and get an entry, and you know, there's yeah, there's a whole lot of certain circumstances where mm. people have missed out. So it's a, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a catch twenty two, and that's um yeah, sort of what we've been juggling for the last forty eight hours, I suppose. Um, yeah, so waitlist. So the waitlist is um the waitlist has been basically operating since uh, Monday. So the what how the waitlist basically works is for each category there is a waitlist. So when someone moves pulls out of that category, a spot will become available and we will um, slide someone in on that wait list. Uh, we'll probably reach out to people, you know, we're hoping to do it in the next fortnight. Um, we've got a fairly busy couple of weeks coming up where we actually debrief this year's race next week with all our safety crews, et cetera. So, yeah, we, we've got a fairly jam-packed schedule over the next um, couple of weeks anyway. So we're hoping in the next two weeks to reach out to people and say, this is where you are on the wait list and give people a pretty honest answer in terms of how we feel, whether we think they'll get in or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, is there going to be any changes made to the entry process based on the experience you've just had of the of oh, the, the, the three minutes that it took to fill it up? Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> I mean we we've been that flat out since it opened. Um, I think I've yeah. spent I've spent over about eighteen hours on the phone since um <laughs> since uh, Monday lunchtime that yeah. we just uh, you know we haven't actually really even had a chance to uh, have a talk around that. So yeah, potentially. Um, you know, like we're, we're, we always say we're, we're a bit like when you do the race itself, you know, you, you never really have a perfect coast to coast and we probably never think we have a perfect um, in terms of organising it. So we're always trying to refine it and improve it. So mm -hmm. we'll debrief on this, have a look at other options in terms of entry and um, the way we create entries and, you know, people are able to enter and um, go from there. Mm -hmm. Is there a, a one-weight list or is there a separate waitlist for each event? How does that work? Yeah, that's right. So there's a separate waitlist for each category is basically how it okay. works. So when when you go to enter, each category has a cutoff point. So we we have actually allocated certain numbers to um, each category, and when that gets um, to that point, that category gets triggered into a wait list. And oh, right. um, the reason we do that is basically in terms of during the event, in terms of our management, you know, we need to have certain numbers in certain areas so that we can manage it. I suppose, um, otherwise, yeah, otherwise we get yeah we just get too it gets too busy in certain areas. And let's just quickly, for those that have missed out and go, well, why can't we have more entries here and why can't we have, you know, there's plenty of space. There's a really important reason, Glenn, isn't there, as to why you actually have to cap the the limit and all those other things through dock passes, through goat pass and things, correct? 
Yeah, so any um, any commercial event that exists over um, Department of Conservation land in New Zealand has a concession. Um, so you know, most a lot of events will be in that situation, and we're we're uh, we're no different. So our concession over Goat Pass over the two days is a thousand people. Um, when um, that actually um, increased last year, the um, and we were at um, the event three years ago was at eight hundred in that concession, and now we're at a thousand. Doc have released more in terms of that concession, and uh, that might people might just think that's a matter of asking a question. There's a lot more to it than asking a question. Um, um, you know, like there's a lot, the lot that goes into this race behind the scenes that people don't see. And if you're ever out over Goat Pass and um, you're crossing a certain area and you'll see a little ear tag, there's ear tags all through there. That's actually they're ours, they're coast to coast. And what we do is post event, we actually have to go through the course and we, well, pre the event we go through and photo where each of those areas are. And they've been there for like 15, 20 years. And then post the event, we go and take another photograph. And then we've got to create a report around the damage to that area as a result of the event. So that's, and that, I mean, we haven't actually um, finished that report um, yet. And then um, basically Doc use that in terms of um, what impact GOAP, um, the, the event is having on the track, et cetera. So yeah, there's, yeah. So if you are walking over there, have a look and you'll see our markers and you'll see where we've got them, et cetera. And, and yeah, there's, it's, it's a big old, um, big old task. There's a lot that goes in and, and yeah, we worked really hard to get an extra 150 on the concession and worked with Doc and that, you know, they were pretty favourable to say, well, we feel we can get another 150 people in the event without having too much impact on our event and the experience people having and at the same time managing um, and Goat Pass being managed. So that happened last year and I can assure people the chances of ex extending that concession now are probably not that great going, you know, going forward over the next couple of years. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just the way things are. So. Yep, yep, brilliant. Um, one question on that wait list, what's the attrition rate? On an average year without the COVID sort of situation, how many people don't make it to the start line that, that sign up initially? Yeah, so where she, yeah, it's quite, it's quite high. And obviously the, the earlier people enter, so we're selling out, you know, on this Monday, this week, it's a whole year for pe things to go wrong for people, you know, and, yeah. and last year we had a huge rate of attrition due to um, obviously internationals not being able to get in. Mm. Um, so that meant we, we were able to dip into our wait list, um, you know, fairly significantly. The other thing with last year is that we are, we had 150 extra come onto the concession really late, so it came in in November. Um, wow. So we couldn't actually allocate those spots until then. So, you know, we, we went deep into the wait list then as well um, as a result of getting that um, that late uh, extension on our concession. So we're able to um, dive deeper, basically. Um, and obviously really rare year in terms of COVID, which meant, you know, things were changing all over the show. Generally, on average, we work on, we, we've sort of done the figures and from October through to race day, we usually have around a 15% pullout rate. Right, okay. um, and, and it's usually and it's significantly, it's really high, particularly over that couple of weeks before the event. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we often then reach out to people, and um, we often reach out to people then and say, um, you know, there's a spot come available, and it's pretty late. But yeah, obviously that's when a lot of them occur. So a lot happens over that summer period. So we work on about fifteen percent, but who knows this year? You know, like. I mean, potentially the borders do open up and a lot of people have got entries like, well, actually, we, we want to go travel, you know, this summer. So, you know, who knows? The entries, more entries could come available because of that. We, we don't know. I guess probably, it depends probably. on how many people were listening to our podcast so far uh, and if they've made any notes. Yeah, yeah potentially. 
<laughs> probably just a good time just to say that I know there'll be a lot of people, Glenn, that would have sat there on Monday and entered just to make sure that they got an entry. Then they actually have the decision, I guess, to to be in or not be in. You know, I guess you've got to get that entry. So if you are out there and you have just entered on the thought, well, I better get one just in case I decide I want to do it, have a really good think about that because there's some dead set keen people out there that are champing at the bit at the wait on the wait list that are desperate to do this event. So if you've just bought a ticket just to make sure you got one, just in case, have a good think about that and get that decision made as early as you can. Yeah, I think yeah, those entries we fairly well sought after. So it's nice about let people know early, I suppose. Mm. Absolutely. Um, Glenn, has there been any thoughts about the numbers in the mountain run? Like, as a, I mean, obviously that takes that dot concession to open up yeah. places for individual, which is the is the crux of the coast to coast, the individual two day event or, or, or the or the yeah the two day longest day event, opposed to just doing the mountain run. How does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a bit of a sticky one. Um, the mountain run got introduced a number of years ago when numbers were really low, and it was really popular, and it has been popular. Um, and the concept behind the mountain run was like, well, let's give people the experience to come out and do the mountain run this year. And then and then a lot of people do follow through and say, right, sweet, I think I can do the whole thing. And that worked really well. Um, nowadays, we are probably in a position where, um, you know, potentially we don't need that mountain run. And we have looked at that. Um, from our end, we have a thousand tickets to sell to make this run, uh, this race financially viable. Um, we think we're really fair with how we set up the entries um, in terms of the um, sort of the um, protection policy, et cetera. Um, what happens is when come January, when people, you know, sort of pull that calf muscle or pull out in the last minute, and, you know, like this year, we probably had 100 odd people pull out. We go into that wait list and in January before the event, a lot of people in that wait list come out and basically say, look, you know, it's too late. We haven't done the work to be able to do the, you know, longest day coast or the two day coast. Now, we also have people sitting in the mountain run wait list where we can go out to them at that stage and say, and so we go through, we always go through the multi-sport wait list first. And once that's been through, then we reach out to the mountain run wait list. And generally someone in January potentially has done a bit of training for other events over summer and like, yeah, yeah, I'm still keen to jump on. So it means that we can still sell that ticket, I suppose. And mm -hmm. if you have, you know, if you have protection and you've got an injury, then obviously we give um, most of your money back. So for us, it's still, you know, it's, it means that we are able to sell one of those tickets that we have available. And that's why we have really limited spaces in September for sale. And then what happens is we find that um, people fill those spaces later. And people would have thought this year, and they're correct, we had a really large mountain run field. And again, that was because we got those um, concession numbers late. And we also had the um, internationals pull out late. And all of a sudden, you know, we'd been through our wait list in terms of the multi-sport events and reached out to the mountain runners and... Um, Basically, yeah, there was a heap of mountain runners that were keen. So I can almost guarantee that we probably won't have over 100 mountain runners out there last next year. I, mm. I would say it's guaranteed with the people that we've got sitting on a wait list at the moment in terms of multi-sport. But that's that's the concept behind it. So I always like reading other people's thoughts and why we, why we have the mountain run. I mean, for us, if, if, if they're saying that it's for us to make money, well, we make less money off a mountain run ticket than we do off a multi-sport ticket. So we'd far prefer to sell them to multi-sporters. But, but the important... The important thing there is, Glenn, is that the event does make money because it's an event and it's what people want to do and they and each person has their own reasons why they want to do it. But without the event actually making a dollar and without you being able to make it a successful, viable thing, nobody will be able to race this event. So it does 
uh, I guess it's treated like a business. It is a business and it, and it has to be viable to stack up to be able to put it on year after year. And I know that if anybody's been to the race or stood at Klondike Corner late at night on Friday night or early on Saturday morning and seen the sheer number of volunteers, support crews, riverboat people, all the infrastructure, the radio gear and everything that goes into bringing this on, that doesn't all come for nothing. And, and it's pretty important that the, for the event to carry on for years to come that it is a viable thing. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's it's huge. I mean, it, I, I've been involved with it for four years now, and I had no concept what went in behind this event. You know, in terms of uh, yeah, and 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 it's an expensive event to run. That's the bottom line. It is. You know, it is. It goes through three district councils. We shut down a state highway. It's you know, it it, it is an expensive event to run. So that's that's the bottom line. And you know, you talk about it being a business and. Yeah, it is a business, but it's probably, you know, most of it's not a very successful one, I suppose, if you're looking at it as a business, but it's a very successful event, so that's awesome. Great, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to have a bit of a chat about the the new category, the longest day three-person team category, uh, Glenn. So this was this was uh, thrown out there or late last week, wasn't it, just before entries opened? Um, what yeah, was the rationale behind it? Yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's, so, it's all gone pretty fast. Yeah, so... Look, you know, we, we put a lot of thought into this event. It wasn't sort of a just, uh, um, you know, let's throw something new into the um, um, coast. Um, for me personally, I've um, I've done the coast a number of times, and the only only way I've ever done it is through the longest day. Um, the first event I ever was always a second multi-sport event I ever did in my life when I was 21 years old was the longest day coast. And um, it's pretty special, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of telling people that I've done a longest day coast. And... Um, if people talk about, you know, how special it is, I, I think I have a fairly, fairly good idea about how special that event is, you know, and, and what it's like to do well in that event. So, um, yeah, I can fully appreciate that. From our perspective with the event, it is an amazing place. And, you know, and we can see, you know, I, I can see through social media and the phone calls I get and the emails I get about how passionate people are about that this event. And and people are super passionate about it. I mean, there's almost a semi-ownership from a lot of people in terms of this event, which is pretty cool, you know, like, and they are passionate about it, which, which is great. And that's why it's so special. So I can appreciate where everyone comes from. For us, we, you know, we, we are also very passionate about the event and we love the fact that it's probably, you know, you know, we feel in terms of endurance sports in New Zealand, it's probably the premier event now in New Zealand. You know, it is, it is the most iconic and, you know, we feel we've taken it to a position where it's, you know, such a great experience for competitors and support crew. And, and we feel that a lot of New Zealand, you know, and I think that reflects the entries on Monday is that a lot, a lot of New Zealanders are also, you know, they're well aware of um, the position it is in. And what we want to do now is we want to show the rest of the world how good this event is, you know. And currently, with our structure, we feel there's probably not a lot of pull for um, elite athletes overseas who do those just to come and compete in the um, compete in the race. Because to win the um, to win the uh, to win the longest day individual is is a huge challenge when you don't live in New Zealand now. It's just got that competitive. And I mean, Robin owned it sensationally well a couple of years back. Um, to come out from South Africa, it took her two shots. You know, Alex Hunt's probably been the closest um, in terms of the men's event, and he'll he'll be the first to say that he, he really needs to probably come live here for four months if he really wants to give it a good crack, you know. So we sort of saw this three-person teams as a way, you know, there's a few reasons we introduced it. It is a way that we feel that it can take that exposure to the next level. Um, we feel it's a good way that we can get, because it has those cut-off times, you know, that the athletes that do it are going to have to be, um, you know, at a certain tier. And, and it's also a great way to draw athletes, you know, ex-Olympians or current Olympians 
to the appeal of um, you know, to get me and do coast to coast and come give it a crack as a team. So from our point of view, we think it'll only enhance, you know, the, the respect and the um, I suppose manner in terms of completing a longest day because all of a sudden you have all these other athletes looking on at these athletes that are doing that event in one day and um, saying, well, they're incredible because I'm just doing the kayak or I'm just doing the cycle and I'm just doing the run. And, you know, like with that becomes more media, with that becomes more sponsorship, with that we're able to keep everybody's prices for entries down where they are. So we just see it as the next sort of, um, um, I suppose, the way to progress the event to the next level again, you know, and, and try to get a little bit more international exposure. So we, um, yeah, we, ha we haven't got a lot of teams entered. Um, the other thing too, and it is a management side of things, so we got that extra 150 on the concession last year the two day for us is full up like in terms of the experience that we're trying to give people uh, we talk about the everest experience a little bit and we feel that's happening over goat pass where people are getting to the top and you're actually in a queue and so from our end the um longest day or the one day event is actually far more manageable so what we're trying to do is get more athletes into that day in terms of our management systems to take some pressure off the two day and um and and so that two-day experience stays you know as good as it is i suppose and yeah so there, there's a multitude of reasons and um you know i could go on for hours but and if you see all the things in behind the scenes it sort of probably makes a heck of a lot more sense but um yeah that's why we've gone out there and had a go and look you know like i i know a lot of people are probably sitting there doubting it and um i actually quite enjoy that and it means that it gives me a really good challenge to say you know march next year hopefully we're sitting here and you know lots of people saying okay i can see where they were coming from that was a great idea and it's you know taking the event to another level again so i'm looking forward to that challenge to be honest and is it here to stay or is it a something you're going to run for a few years because essentially to get this off the ground it actually needs two three four years worth of running to start drawing those uh, Olympians and those elite athletes from over the world because it needs to be exposed for a start. So long-term yeah. plan for you to stay? Yeah, I've got this beautiful vision. You know, I've, you know, I've got this beautiful vision of a New Zealand versus South Africa versus Australia, you know, versus US versus UK teams thing on the start line, you know, and all of them in their kit and an absolute ding-dong between those countries, you know, and you're selecting your team and having a team captain. And, and let's be honest, you know, potentially next year, there won't be any internationals here. So I'd like to say it's here for a couple of years, so at least, you know, we can start establishing that sort of um, that international that competition within the event, you know, and really, really pump it up. So um, I'm excited. And look, I'm, I'm excited too. You know, I've sat down with many people and done the mass. And, you know, can, can any of these teams beat some of these top athletes if they're starting half an hour behind? Yeah, Don't know. You yeah, know, if you sit there and you, and you crunch the numbers, they're, they're going to have to, you know, they'll have to be pretty sharp, I reckon. So it'll add some excitement there too as well. Yeah, one thing for me that I uh, didn't realise sort of initially when it was introduced was that the teams actually start 30 minutes behind the individuals, which means yep. those cutoffs are, are tighter again for those teams. So that mountain run has to be a pretty handy mountain run just to be able to make the cutoffs for a start. So like as far as an elite thing goes, that actually takes that team to be you have to be a pretty elite team to be able to get through with a pretty handy mountain runner on your side yeah so the elite word probably got bandied around a bit but um it probably it was more based around that you know you, your team has to be strong enough to make those couple of times basically yep. and they are yep. half an hour less due to um the team starting half an hour later so yeah you 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 need a good runner you need a good kayaker and you need a good cyclist that's the bottom line
That's right. And it's mixed as well. Mixed three-person team. So it's that's not correct. Just all, it's mixed. Yeah. So, which yeah. again, you know, that adds an element of excitement, you know, like yeah. how do you play those cards? Like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be awesome watching. Like you sit there and if we get, you know, you sit there on the tracker and someone might have a half an hour advantage, which, you know, who knows, could disappear. Like, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm excited. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> that's right. Coming in, coming into New Brighton on that final time trial, you've got to uh, head it, uh, longest day lead competitor versus a um a, a team hunting them down. That's going to be interesting watching, isn't it? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, yeah the individuals might be a bit grumpy then, but look, I mean, a lot of the individuals <laughs> I've talked to are super open into it, and they've been really, you know, I and I reached out to quite a few of them before we announced it and talked to them and said, "How do you feel?" And most of them were like, "Yeah, yeah, I see." You know, you imagine Aitken's corner at the moment. We work on around two hundred support crew. When you go through mm -hmm. Aikens and you're the leading that pack or even Klondike on the um, longest day, you know, we're going to be talking 400 people standing around and, you know, and how excited is that going to be? It's going to have a really good, you know, there's, there'll be a bit of excitement around that too. So we'll give it a crack and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go. Good. I think it's awesome. Well done, Glenn. Well done for innovating. Well done for thinking outside the square. Well done for not just sitting back and going, Oh well, it's fine. Let's uh, let's keep developing and and uh, keep doing all the great things that you do. And uh, really appreciate all that hard work that you put in and uh, and continue to put in. Um, so yeah, thank you yeah. for all that you do. Yeah, cool. And uh, yeah, we'll just yeah we'll be reaching out to people in the next couple of weeks. Please be patient with us. Um, it probably looks like over the event, it looks like we're a really big team, but the reality is it's really just two of us. So just uh, be patient, and we will we'll, we'll get out to you. So. And, that, and that's fabulous that you are one-on-one -on -one contacting these people. So, again, yep, sit tight. Uh, you guys will be in touch. Glenn, thank you for joining us as always. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for being so open with us about the things that are going on, the exciting things that are coming up. Most of all, thank you for putting your passion uh, and uh, your effort into the Kathmandu Coast to Coast because it's genuinely showing uh, – Definitely showed on Monday how popular this damn event is. It's bloody fabulous. And uh, we're pretty proud to be a part of it with you. So thank you very much. Yeah, cheers, team. Yeah, and thanks to yeah, all those people. Um, yeah, yeah. I just quickly, I mean, our entry system on Monday at 12 o'clock last year, when we opened entries, we had 60 people sign up in the first 10 minutes. Um, like on Monday, we had 1,800 people logged on at 12 o'clock <laughs> trying to get 1,000 spaces. And within 10 minutes, there was two, two and a half thousand people had been logged on trying to get a thousand spaces. So that was the situation. So um, apologies yeah. from our end. We'll, you know, we'll just we'll try to refine it once again. So, yeah, no, well done. Well done, thank again. You. Thank you. Cool. Cheers, Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Good job. So, uh, I guess my key question, Angus, is did you get a golden ticket on Monday? <laughs> no, Richard, I did not get a golden ticket to the uh, 2022 Kathmandu Coast to Coast. Right. I'm actually yeah. hoping that uh, that I can uh, build on what was a good platform this year for 2021. We did some cool media things uh, alongside the Kathmandu Coast to Coast and uh, our CP media team. I'm hoping yeah. that uh, for 2022, we can build on that and we can be bigger right. and better and bring the people out there uh, close to the action again and all those exciting things. No, you did a fantastic job of that. So, yep, we'll sign you up for the for the CP media team and get out there and, and get them some peaceful people's faces and share that experience across the board to everybody. So, no, fantastic. We will, and Rich, just before we go, a, a bit of a uh, uh, another team CP plug here because we're good at doing that, and, and why not take the platform to do that? But one one of our team CP athletes uh, who's been obviously watching tonight, he sent in a question or sent in a message to us. Uh, Stephen Arnold, big shout out to you. Just as a bit of advice to people, this is what Stephen says. 
I pulled my Achilles twice while training and ended up having to call Team CP in December to help get me sorted. Thankfully, they could help me get to the start line and I finished the two-day in half-decent shape. I'm barely even a weekend warrior, just a middle-aged dad wanting to give it a crack. But I'd never had an injury issues training before and training for C2C was quite different. Don't wait until you break down in December. Call Team CP sooner rather than later is my advice. And Stephen, that's some absolutely fabulous advice. So for you people out there, don't be afraid. Get onto our Team CP website, teamcp.co.nz. Click the book a call uh, or flick us a message to Facebook or Instagram, wherever you want to get a hold of us and uh, start your Katmandu coast to coast off in the right fashion. Brilliant. And, and as a result of that, you can enjoy the training experience and have an awesome day on race day. You can. So that's it. Thank you all very much for joining us. It's been great to be back for, uh, I guess, the first episode of season three of our Katmandu Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by Team CP. Uh, we will be taking a fairly lengthy break for a few months before we come back to the Coast to Coast again. But uh, until then, we'd like to see uh, any correspondence that anybody's got. We want to see what you're up to training. Um, but don't forget, continue to tune into our normal podcasts uh, over the time as from time to time, there's always a bit of discussion about coast to coast. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, looking forward to getting back into regular podcasts and and, uh, and spreading the word and, and uh, helping educate all those people that are watching. Excellent. Thanks, team. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, train hard, keep healthy, and uh, spread some awesomeness. It's the best Kiwi event in New Zealand, this. Crossing New Zealand in one or two days. Why do I do it? Because I love it.